I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. All right. Well, what's good, sis? How you doing? Hmm. Um, You know, I'm as well as anybody who is a black American in this country is doing right now. Mm, say more. You know, I sat at my kitchen table this morning talking to my 15-year-old son who has access to the internet and who described the trauma of him seeing an innocent Black woman pushing her cart through a grocery store and immediately just dying. And he said, it's amazing, Mom. You spend your whole life trying to do the right things. You spend your whole life trying to get to the next place. And somebody could just cut it short in like one second. She dies so fast. I said, you saw that? But you know, these kids, they can get, they get to stuff fast. Damn. No kidding. So in addition to the, like the the heartache I'm feeling for everybody in Buffalo, everybody adjacent to Buffalo, everybody I'm also feeling sad for every single child who had a piece of their innocence robbed because mm-hmm. I know my son is not the only kid who saw that. Yeah. And he was shook. Yeah. I saw the headlines. I got kind of the gist from the New York times and I had to just shut it down. I'm not here for the debates. I'm yeah. not here for the Twitter rants. Like I just like, just give me some space. Yep. I say, you know, just stop killing us. <laughs> just can we can can we live? <sighs> change the subject, please. Let us move on. I want to share this book that has given me a lot of joy right now. Okay, it's called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. What? Yeah, right now to look for it. There you go. You know, it's hitting me in some new subjects, and I like learning new things. And um, the author is a woman who is both botanist and a poet and is part of an indigenous tribe. And she just is detailing all these different things that we learn about life just from being present and observing Mm. the way plants grow. Mm. And it's just like, it just makes me very happy. Mm. It's like the the book of delights. Yeah. But plants. Exactly. The the vegan book of delights. Exactly. (laughs) There we go. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Where are you? Um, let's see. So I was working with an intern today in clinic. Yes, y'all. I am sitting here recording from Grady Hospital after a clinic and was working with an outstanding intern. Shout out to Kylie Anthony, who was so meticulously noticing all the little fine things in every one of her patients' charts. She's like, uh, you know, this patient is on this medication and I don't see a compelling indication for it. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things that could just fly by you if you weren't really closely, closely, closely paying attention. 
So one of her patients was on Farsica, like initially it was a diabetes medicine, but now it's been one of the medicines and goal-directed medical therapy mm. in, in patients with heart failure and heart disease, right? Yeah. This patient did not have heart failure and this patient was not diabetic. And she was just trying to figure out why this patient had this medication on board. And I was, I really, <laughs> I didn't see a compelling reason either, but I had missed it. Mm-hmm. And so we went and spoke to the PharmD and the PharmD was like, oh, does the patient have chronic kidney disease? Turns out the patient did have some chronic kidney disease. And I learned that in addition to Farsiga being one of the things you can use in goal-directed medical therapy, you also can use it for prevention of advancement of CKD. And, you know, I didn't know that, but I, but I think the bigger point, cause I learned new stuff every day at work about some new, new study that showed something, but more importantly, I really like the systematic way this intern scanned every chart for her patients. Cause she always is catching something like small. And I just, I, I learned a lot from watching her. So shout out to interns who are role models to grown ass attendants. <laughs> I love that. You know, I also just want to highlight as an intern, I think it's easy to kind of have confirmation bias, like Mm -hmm. to think, especially if it's a patient that was being cared for by another provider before you, and you just kind of assume, well, if if so-and-so thought it was good, then I'm, I'm sure there's nothing that I can add or change here. So. And I'll even confess that I opened the chart to see who started it. And it was a resident that I trust. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, But it was a resident of whom I think highly, but the attending was somebody that I really, really, really respect who Mm -hmm. like knows way more than me. Um, (laughs) So I was like, you know what? This could represent a gap in our knowledge, but she was still kind of present. She was just like, yeah, I'm not aware of any indication. I'm just not aware. And then that was when we went, went to the farm D mm-hmm. and shout out to farm D's who are the secret service of the hospital. Amen. They prevent assassinations <laughs> <in> the daily. <laughs> I love the farm D's. I hope farm, farm D's, if you listen into this, please, please, please know how much I appreciate y'all. Strong cosign. All right. Well, it is the best week because world famous Kimberly Manning is going to be gifting us with a story. So I'm here to listen. What's the word, sis? Dang, you know, I should be like really prepared for the word. Man, okay. I I threw up the alley-oop. You were supposed to slam dunk. The word is better. Better. Okay. I love it. The word is better, as in it's going to get better. Okay. You're going to be all right. I like that. Feeling that vibe. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I have actually a story within a story. Mm. So picture it like a gift box and then you open the gift box and then there's another box in there. I love it. We're just going to get real cute with it today. Okay. So I was on the Grady Wards as a ward attending on inpatient, probably about, this was probably about 10 years ago or so. And I was caring for this young woman um, who would come into the hospital. And I can't even really remember why she was in the hospital, but what was most memorable wasn't the medical issue. It was that she was very, very, very sad. Mm. Now, this young woman was in her very early 20s. I think she had just turned 21. 
And um, she had a very supportive family, family at the bedside. I think she has some type of a chronic disease, but family at the bedside, seeing about her and everything. But um, when I would see her, it would, it would look like, like she was either boohoo crying into a pillow, looked like she had been boohoo crying, whole face swollen up. She was just so sad. Mm. <laughs> so I come in there one day and I was like, yo, you know, cause after like two or three times seeing her this way, I asked what's wrong. I thought maybe there had been a loss in the family or something like that. Mm-hmm. So her mother rolls her eyes and says she broke up with her boyfriend and she looks at her mother and she's just like, you don't understand. And she starts boo crying again. And she says, she's been trying to call and she's like, she's better off. But anyway, I was like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. You know, I do the part of my physical exam I need to do, you know, mostly talk to her mother because she's too busy crying. And Later on that afternoon, I come back to her room and she is still in the exact same state, except nobody's there with her. Ooh, 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 crying. And she, she was just like looking at me like, like, I am just so, so sad. I'm (laughs) so sad. And I was like, okay, well, tell me about your partner. And it was a boyfriend. They had dated for like since high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think something happened where he moved on and did something. And it was like, he had a new person and, Mm. you know, she just, she understands that they're not together, but she just believes that she is always going to be sad. Yeah. Just cannot possibly see how this is ever going to get better. Mm. Like this is the love of her life. She's sure of it. And she would just cry some more every time I was looking at her. And I thought to myself, I know exactly how she feels. <laughs> I've been in my early twenties before. And I was like, you know, when you feel that way, you really do believe that this is now your lot in life. Like yeah. you feel sure. Um, and I said to her, you know, um, you know, I know how you feel. And she was like, she just kind of looked at me. She kept crying. And I was like, can I tell you a story? This is in the hospital, me sitting on the bed. 21 year old young woman and she's like looking at me still like doing the like ticks where you (laughs) so I say you know what when I was right around your age I think I was about 22 years old I was in medical school there was this boy that I met one day in the elevator in this apartment complex near my medical school and I put my eyes on him and it was love at first sight I'm telling you like the cartoons where the eyes get big yeah And I could just tell by the little twinkle back in his eye that it was mutual, but we didn't even speak that moment. We left me and my friends. We went to Applebee's where they had 25 cent wings that night. (laughs) We had an exam and there's a DJ, there's the 25 cent wings Mm. on and popping. Okay. And, you know, we're dancing and having a good time. And I look and OMG, who is it? But the guy from the elevator at Applebee's. Turns out this person also had connection to my medical school as a student as well. We just like be lying over to each other. It was as if one minute we saw each other on the elevator and the next minute after that, we were madly in love with each other. From that day forward, I spent like every waking second with this guy. Like we were together all of the time. We were like sitting in coffee shops. I was skipping class. Like I could think of nothing else. It was so, so, so intense. And I was absolutely sure that this was the love of my life. I'm like, mm. 
like it is impossible for me to ever feel stronger than I feel right now for real and she was just hanging on the edge of every one of my words she was listening and I was like and then right at the very pinnacle of me being the most in love that I could possibly be I discover in a really tragic way which is a whole separate story that this wonderful man who I thought was the love of my life and that God had just crafted just for me had a girlfriend Mm. not just a girlfriend a girlfriend that he lived with oh sis (laughs) said girlfriend had been away for a period of time and so during our whirlwind relationship you know we used to mostly hang out at my house and it never occurred to 22 year old me that that was weird but yeah his girlfriend came back and she shut all of it down and she made it real clear to me that like you know me and you we don't have no problems as long as you take your paws off my man (laughs) I was devastated Mm. I mean I was cut down to the white meat bleeding and like I laid in my bed and I cried and cried and cried and cried I couldn't eat I got a cold and my friends would come and talk to me and they would be like you're better off he he got a girlfriend I was like for the rest of my life I'm going to be in love with him Mm. and one day I'm going to meet somebody and it's going to be sad because I'll probably agree to be with them and marry them I'll probably move on but I will always feel what I feel for this person. I will always be in love with somebody else. The love of my life will always, always, always be somebody else. And I really just was sure of that. And she was like, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just rubbing her back and talking to her. And I was like, yeah, sis, I know how you feel. Because I was like, you know what? It's never going, it's, I'm never, ever, ever going to get over this guy. Never, ever. And finally she looked at me and she looked at my hand and she said, I was married. And she was like, you're married. Did you marry him? From Applebee's? The Applebee's dude. <laughs> so just like you look right now was how like, that's it. Did I marry the dude from Applebee's who had a girlfriend? All the time I was dating him? Hell no. <laughs> so she's like, well, what happened? I said, girl, that dude is black history. Mm-hmm. I said, about three months after that, I, I was on to somebody else. I was like, and you know what? That minute, that those days that I laid in my bed crying, I really thought, I really believed what I was saying. I said, but you know what? The last, the last time I thought about that dude, she was like, when? I looked at my watch. I said, 1993, before you was born. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first time I saw her laugh. And I said, you know, I really, really, truly, truly believed what I was saying. Mm -hmm. I believe that. But it took me about three months to realize that it wasn't true, that I was going to be okay. That time really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. In about three months, I felt a lot better. And in about six months, I was like rolling my eyes. In about a year, I was like, ugh. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, I told her like, fast forward one day I did meet somebody and it was love at first sight again. And they didn't have another person at the same time. And they did have integrity and they were ready. Cause you know, in this dude's defense, we were like children, right? 22 and like 
23. Like who? <laughs> Somebody's 23 right now and be like, loyalty. I'm sorry for 23 years old when you're about to get married. No shame. The 23 year olds, 22 and 23 year old me, you know, you shouldn't have been looking to have me as your like. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm thinking about this story because I believe that there are times in our life um, where things happen and you feel sad. Yeah. You absolutely feel convinced that you will never ever feel better. Like you just like, it's not possible because as sad as I feel right now, it's just not possible that I could, I could come out of this and feel better. And, um, that's not true. That's the beauty of getting older. Mm. And I told her, I said, I promise you that this dude that you crying about right now, going to feel it, feel it. I said, feel it. Because when you get over this and you look back, you're going to realize that you know what? I can get over some really tough things. I can be really sad and rise out of it like a phoenix. And then you come out of it knowing more of what you deserve and who you are and what's okay and what's not okay. And um, I, I actually, you know, thank that dude because I feel confident that if I had not experienced that, I don't think that I would have demanded or expected as much out of my next partner or at least my long-term partner in my adult life. Yeah. Uh, Make sure they got keys to their own place, at least. (laughs) Yeah. Or just that what they say is what they mean and Mm -hmm. that I'm not having to always explain things or anything. And, you know, I ended up giving her a big hug. Y'all, this is pre-COVID. So we was hugging, (laughs) but I gave her a hug and I was just like, you will get over this. Mm. And this is really bad for your health for you to be this upset, but you can feel it, but you're going to feel better. You don't believe right now. I said, but I promise you what you're doing right now, multiply that by a hundred. Cause that's what I was doing back in 93 when this happened to me. And it almost just makes me chuckle now because I I really, any of my friends who were there, they were like, she was in a bad way. I love that story. And obviously we, we cracking jokes here, but you know, that, that hits home for me on so many levels because these last two years have been hard in many ways. And, you know, even recently I found myself down and out to the point where it's just like, you really start to question, like, is this it? Is it worth it? Like, can I keep going like this? And, you know, one of the things I love about personal writing is just, you know, I can look back at times where I felt that way. And it's hard to imagine in the moment when you're really struggling that at some point in the future, you would be grateful for that struggle. But I've done this reflection so many times and I can say confidently, there's not been a single hard thing that I've gone through that I regretted, you know, what I learned and who I became on the other side. But part of suffering is the questioning or the possibility that, you know, that pain is going to last forever. And that's where we got to lift each other up. You know, the Grady Elder say, ain't no testimony without no test. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's say if you're a medical student and you studied for the boards and failed, mm-hmm. let's say you applied to medical school and you didn't get in. Let's say you didn't match. Yep. These are all like milestone moments in medical education and medical careers that can be devastating, can feel embarrassing, can feel like. You just never, ever, ever going to get over it. And we here to tell you that it's going to be all right. Yeah. Kendrick was right. We going to be all right. And this actually applies to like everything in life, but also even when I'm in the hospital, when, when people are like screaming and mad, I just always just stand still. Cause I'm like, don't nobody want to stay like this. <laughs> they going to calm down 
and it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. I just need to be willing to wait it out. Now, how much pain you can take varies from person to person. Mm-hmm. And had um, we known about the power of therapy back in 93, I probably could have used it. <laughs> <laughs> My coping skills and my resilience was not good. <laughs> um, but you know, hard situations, they do help build your resilience up some. And then it gives you like a tougher shell. So you can be like, all right, I know what I was able to get through before. So yeah, I'm going to be all right. Can I tell you one other funny part about that story? Oh, um, yes, please. So the woman whose boyfriend I was dating, unknowingly now, I wasn't no homewrecker. I wasn't doing it. On her. <laughs> but when she confronted me, one of the things that she said to me was this, me and you, we don't have no problem unless you continue to have interactions with my man. She always referred to him as her man. And she said, but as far as I'm concerned, one day in our whole lives, this thing with you, it's going to be just a blink on the radar. She she held her finger up and did a little Wait, sis, let, let me get this straight. So y'all, y'all met up in person. She came and she came and found you or let's just say we met up in person, but I got low key ambushed. And that in itself is just, <laughs> I'll tell you that. And that's, that's for the only fans version. Y'all I have to tell you <laughs> that, but she said that I would be a blink on the radar in their life. So I told this, um, this patient of mine this. I, I told her that part too. And she was like, so where is he now? I said, girl, they are married with children. And guess what I am? And she said, a blink on the radar. I said, they ain't thinking about me. Oh my God. (laughs) And I ain't thinking about them, but it it gets better. My hope and my prayer is that there were no other blinks on their radar. Hey man, I'm about to say, I was like, okay, uh, good for her, I guess. And if you think that this is you, not you. <laughs> Don't be emailing me. It might not be you. It might be you, but it might not be you. But I don't uh, know. Does, does HIPAA apply to heartbreak? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you shouldn't have been doing a young girl from Inglewood, California that way. I didn't deserve that. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves that. Not my patient, not me, not anyone. mm All right. Well, I love that. And I love you. And I love you. You are absolutely worth sitting in my office at Grady after a full day of clinic. (laughs) (laughs) And you're worth interrupting my wash day for. I still have a towel on my head. Y'all, I wanted to talk about the towel (laughs) over Mahalia, but I just felt like I was going to go too far. But I'm so glad you brought that into it. And yeah, you know, does salute her. Appreciate you. We got to get it in when we can, even on a Monday. All right, sis. Well, make it the most spectacular day and whatever it is going on in your life I hope it gets better that wraps up this week's episode of the human doctor podcast special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.